Hello, listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of EdgeGuard Podcast, a podcast where we take a closer look at games on the fringe. Uh, my name is Jordan. Uh, I'm here joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, uh, Blake Beckett. Hello. I am also here to talk about uh, video games, uh, interactive digital art objects. I was, as, oh my God, I was actually thinking that. you dubbed them last yes. week. <laughs> because it's one word, video game. Not mm-hmm. two words, video game. And this is a great example, the game we're playing this week. Sure. Of, of the utility of my expanded definition. <laughs> the utility <laughs> of my expanded definition. Interactive um, digital art objects. You're going to start hearing it on every street corner. Yeah, we're going to change it to uh, a podcast where we take a closer look at interactive digital, digital art, art objects on the fringe. <laughs> it rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, very you smooth. Know? Very smooth. We're really um, excited about it. Uh, this week we're, we played a game uh, called Who Killed My Uncle um, by Devin Wiersma, I believe is how you say his last name. Uh, this is a game, it's a narrative game um, where it involves you going through the uh, the old uh, letters of your uncle uh, who is a soldier in World War II. Um, mm-hmm. it's 1945, uh, when he's re- writing them and he's writing them to his sister back in, uh, somewhere in Great Britain, I think in Wales. Uh, yeah, not from context. Clues. Wales. Well, Wales is a part of Britain. I didn't is say it? England. <laughs> oh, whatever. You bum. Get out of here. <laughs> um, yeah. So sending him to Wales, um, uh, Elizabeth James, uh, his name is Sid- uh, Sydney James. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you play as, I guess, his nephew, I think, yeah. um, in the 90s, uh, sending... Um, in Canada. L- in Canada, sending letters to your other uncle, uh, his <laughs> brother, uh, asking about uh, how much he remembers about him, just wanting more information about your uncle. Yeah, uh, and got- how the, the gameplay goes is you go through the letters uh, and you play as the... Sen- um, when you're looking at the... So he makes some comment that like all the letters were censored because it's World mm-hmm. War II. So letters going into combat zones, they would take out sensitive information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, the interactive portion of the game is you are supposed to censor out the the sensitive information um, going between uh, Sydney and Elizabeth, um, and mark up their their letters and make sure that all the got to redact the, that text. Yes, redact the hell out of it. So you have a you have a little click and drag function that sharpies it out mm-hmm. and that's the uh uh that's the game that's um, the game thanks for listening can, we'll talk we to you next summar- week follow yeah. us on twitter at edgar no i was kidding <laughs> next week we'll be playing um yeah we'll uh, we'll sort of summarize the narrative i think as we go a bit sure uh, but that's the that's the the broad overview of the game oh and the, the other thing that i just want to make sure to say which is super fun uh, is this game is inspired by but not based on um uh-huh the uh, actual great uncle of the creator um, mm. who who didn't fight in World War II but fought in the Spanish Civil War as one of mm. the international volunteers uh, and was killed in action. So yeah. it's it's sort of like uh, lo- loosely inspired by that, that story. Sure. Um, yeah, so I guess first of all I want to talk about uh, frame stories. <laughs> Because uh, mm. this this has got one, you know, it, it starts, I mean, all of the game, everything is communicated to you 
uh, via letters, right? Or yes, not totally everything. It, t- the date gets thrown up on the screen as you like sort of oh, that's flash true. between times, and that's literally the each only letter. Yeah. information you get outside of letters. But yeah, so you're basically like the start of the game. You're presented with this uh, a computer desk with a computer probably running in the background as it's there's a loud sort of fan type noise and you can see like an old gray mm-hmm. IBM looking keyboard um, <laughs> that's sort of just in the corner of the frame and it's a letter about oh uncle so and so I found these old letters between uncle Sydney and aunt Liz or Lizzie or whatever and then yeah uh, she was by Liz and then it's sort of uh, after you've read that you kind of click to continue and then you get the first letters of between uh Liz and, and Sydney and um I I I guess how do we feel hmm, I don't know where to start. Do you have a, do you actually have somewhere to start? I don't know where. I, I wanted to bring up that it's a frame story just because I don't know frame stories are kind of fun sometimes. Uh, <laughs> um uh well I guess we can just sort of like uh go from there naturally into talking about the story. Um, oh sure. Which is that uh so basically so we learn a little bit about Sydney um, that he is, uh, he was a miner, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, in the mines, you know, pickaxe, um, not like a young person. Um, and, uh, he decided to enlist, um, kind of late in the war. I think the idea is he didn't enlist till like 44 or maybe not even till that year, uh, which should be 45. Yeah. <coughs> um, the year the, the war ended. Um, sure. and then, uh, um, he, uh, gives his, uh, story to Elizabeth of the, his platoon going into deeper and deeper into, I think it's the battle of the bulge. It's mentioned something about mm-hmm. the bulge at one point. Sure. Um, and then you, you progressively have to black out more and more, uh, of the letter, the deeper he goes, because it's like, there's more and more sensitive information. And also each, each new cycle of letters, you get new, uh, instructions that are more yeah. like restrictive on what you block out. Cause it starts out with just like, like locations and troops, uh, like platoon Troop size numbers. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then later it's like all dates and later all dates, all names, then any mention of anyone dying. Yeah. Uh, and tell, and you know, the last one you do, you block out. I had to block out almost all of it because you, how the mechanic works is it has a, a quota at the top. It tells mm. you how many things you need to black out uh, and, and so sometimes it requires a little bit of interpretation on your end. Like sure. one of the, one of the rules is any, uh, like, would it result in potentially sensitive information being divulged or something like vague like that? Sure. So like kind of at requesting like, for information. Yes. Basically like prompting for, um, that, that, that was kind of the hardest for me is like suggesting that the person write back sensitive information should be, yeah. uh, should be blocked out or something. Cause then it's so. like, even if you just ask like, what are you up to? Then yeah. it, it's potentially, uh, not sure. allowed. Yeah. And it kind of has like a, a sort of papers, please vibe where, uh, you're given like the basic concept of like, okay, mm, here's yeah. a, a, a letter. And again, all the mechanics are mostly explained to you via like notes or, uh, little papers on your desks. So you have like a little pink paper that is basically here's the rules for the things you're going to need to cross out. And then there's usually a letter 
from your uh, boss kind of explaining why new rules have been instated or yeah. um, saying this or that about uh, the war or whatever. And then, sometimes like a little motivational line, like make, remember you're protecting our boys out there. Yes. When in doubt, black it out. Yeah. When in doubt, black it out. Yeah. Good, our, good slogan. Our, our boys need you to uh, redact their private information, <laughs> read all their personal private letters and take out the good bits and make sure their loved ones don't actually know what's going on. Um, which <laughs> is actually loved addressed ones could be spies. Sure. Which is actually addressed by, uh, I think only Liz is the one who actually is like, they keep redacting my stuff and I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And, uh, over here, things are getting dire. People are worried. And every time you send me things, more and more stuff is blacked out and I don't know what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the, uh, I don't know. It starts out with it kind of being like optimistic, like, Oh, I'm sad you went off to war, but I hope you come back safe and, all this and then slowly it's kind of like oh so and so's brothers just died and uh and then also sort of sydney explaining or you know describing being in battles and having to shoot people and his friends getting hurt and dying or getting, yeah. hurt, getting sent home so it's kind of uh you know slowly gets more and more uh you intense. know yeah intense until you know eventually uh the last letter in the game is just, uh, I guess, spoilers in case you want to play the game, go play it now. But, uh, well, I guess the the name of the game is Who Killed My Uncle? So you know this guy. Yeah, died. yeah, yeah. But anyway, the you last do, letter is basically a letter from, like, with the, the, um, the queen's letterhead being like, your brother died in service. Sorry, yeah, here's his like, last paycheck. Here's his last paycheck. We hope that the knowledge that he contributed to a good cause is some consolation or something. Sure. You know, some some like boilerplate message like that. Oh yeah, some wartime. <sighs> Thanks for your service. Anyway, yeah. here's a hundred bucks. I know, right? It's like <laughs> it's like you you know, like one of you know you know several hundred sent out that week or whatever. Sure, sure. <sighs> Must have been a very strange time to be alive and be, you know, at home, which is yeah, like 100%. so just like the number of people dying all the time. Number of people dying, number of people who are gone. Like, yeah. it's just like disproportionately no men just sure. in the, all the British Isles. It's just like uh-huh. the like demographic numbers just have a crazy shift. Uh, sure. You're getting bombed half the time. Oh, God. And, I can't imagine that. Just like. Yeah. Like yeah, London heard, getting bombed, you know, all the time. She's like, oh my God, that's insane. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, I had, there's this someone in my program who is writing a dissertation about like literature published during the blitz in Britain. Oh, okay. And, and he, I saw a presentation that included like pictures of people in the subway, uh, like hiding from like rocket bombs being dropped on the city. And it's just yes. like, it becomes so banal at a point. Like, you know, it happens so often that it's just routine and people are just like playing card games down there and just hanging out. So weird. It's yeah. It's, it's hard to fathom now, I guess partially because uh, in our lifetime, uh, a war that sort of takes place in the scope and, with yeah. the destructive force of world war two has just never been a reality. Cause it's like, I, th- yeah. I think largely it's a, it's kind of accepted that if hostilities were to advance to that same point now, it's highly likely that just, you know, 
someone would resort to nuclear, nuclear weapons, weapons yeah. and you wouldn't have to hide from the bombs because they would be too big. It you was, would just be gone. Yeah. You can't you, win. Uh, can't win a nuclear war. Nope. Um, so yeah, I mean, there have been, yeah, and certainly there's been nothing the scale of World War II since the end of World War II, although we sometimes forget that there were some of the, like, uh, post-colonial revolutions were pretty bloody, but still nothing quite sure. in the scale of World War II. Yeah, 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 and not, and definitely not, at, like, the global scale, right? Yeah, yeah, not the same number of countries involved. Yeah. Um, did you have a thought? Um... Uh, I, so the, since we've now talked about him dying, I just wanted to say that I was surprised by how, how much, um, like, uh, emotional punch this game managed to Mm. fit into the act of censoring because, you know, it really just feels like a puzzle for the first couple of letters. You're just like, okay, yeah, I can't do this. Can't do this. Uh And it's pretty like quick. Uh, but then there's one letter where, you know, you see Elizabeth getting more and more concerned Sure. Um, and like she talks about how worried she is uh, going and, into and a support group for a support group. Yep. Yeah. And how frustrated she is that she can't, she doesn't actually know what's happening because the sense, yes. I think she calls you out personally. She's like that fucking sensor. Yeah, absolutely. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you're like, Ooh. And so you feel kind of guilty. And then like immediately after she says that, like there's nothing like, I feel like, I don't know. Um, what you're doing. And then she says, uh, she mentions a place. Uh, she says, some people mentioned, uh, oh. some, some of our boys going into Reichenwald and it sounds really dangerous. I don't and want, had- and then the next letter you have to black out the word, right? Well, and in, and in previous letters, he had been talking about like, Oh, we might have to go to Reichenwald. Oh, did then, he mention it before? Okay. I yeah. Didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It gets okay. mentioned earlier and, or it's like, it might even been like we were there and then, uh, She's like, I hope you don't have to go here. I hear that it's really bad. And yeah, it's just censored out. And then that's, I think maybe it's implied that that's where he died. That is where he dies. Yeah. Because that's the last letter he sends. Yeah. Is when you have to. Yeah. And I just remember being so like when I, you know, I know that, um, first of all, obviously it is a game. And, but secondly, even then I know that like, uh, it doesn't make that much of a difference, uh, what you black out as long as you get, the right things. Like, I think you could black out the entirety of each letter and oh, sure. that way. Yes. But even then, like when I blacked out the word Reichwald, cause he misspells it too. He spells it. Reichwald. Oh, yeah. He's not um, a great speller. He's not a great speller. That and it's a nice bit of like characterization there. You know, and his, he's, and his typewriters breaking down as well. Yes. Yeah. He mentioned that. And so um, there's occasionally like letters spliced together and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, when you black out Reichwald, it's just like, Oh, heartbreaking. Cause she's like, sure. She had specifically like, Said, yeah, yeah, express yeah. that she was worried about that place. Yeah. And you're like, yep, that's where I'm going. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, um, that you could kind of black out the whole letter. That was maybe like my biggest problem with this game is that, um, on some of the more difficult one is there are more and more rules. The tendency was kind of just go ham and like block out a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and like, I think it, the, at the, in the afterward for the game, the creator mentions that it was made in just a week, which is, you know, pretty impressive that anyone can make any game in, you know, so yeah. few days. Um, however, if this game were like expanded upon, I would love to see some sort of consequences or at least, uh, the game reacting to you sort of, uh, uh, blocking out over like too much, like yeah. sort of, if you, um, if you block out more than is necessary, then, 
uh, maybe the letters back change and become even more um, like sort of disillusioned or, or upset or yeah. uh, maybe Liz feels even more disconnected or the characters feel even more disconnected because you're blocking out things that didn't need to be blocked out um, or something. Yeah. Or, or, or even another thought I had is like, what if you basically had this game, but in reverse, I guess partially this idea was inspired by the fact that I've been playing telling lies which is uh, yeah. the Sam Barlow follow-up to um, her story. And uh, it'd be interesting to basically be presented with a collection of letters with a bunch of information redacted and try and like work backward and uh, find spots where the censors had missed certain information to sort of like oh, uncover sure. the narrative and where certain things happened uh, yeah. based on uh, like old letters that had been redacted. Um, cause I imagine, I mean, th- that sort of leads me into another thought, which is, uh, or a question really, do you know, it was this a widespread practice? Is this a thing that actually happened? In Censoring World War letters? II? Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yes. I think I've heard of this before. I don't okay. know, um, how widespread it was. Like maybe they sure. were just censoring the letters of like, no lieutenants or whatever yeah yeah uh, or people who were like or something who were in a spot that it, it seemed especially likely it could be intercepted sure um, but uh it whether or not they would be censoring the like personal letters of a just a pro- like you know run-of-the-mill private, private yeah. um you know especially that late in the war when you yeah know, germany everyone knew germany had lost mm-hmm. uh, i maybe not but i don't know sure yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to know because it, it seems first of all it seems like it would be a a a massive effort for, you know, every yeah. letter Seriously. going to and from the front to be uh, you know, hand looked over by a, a person uh and yeah. obviously a lot of human error would come into play cuz like I mean, now I'd find it incredibly feasible that this is done because it's just like all correspondence would probably be electronic and could be scanned for, you know, certain terms or location, yeah. you know, al- you know, programmatically, you know, by a computer. So, um, but, uh, even so, and it, you know, thinking about not only like the amount of time and effort it would take, but also the sort of emotional toll, you mentioned how, uh, it had a surprising amount of punch, uh, when you're like, blocking out this thing that you know is going to be the fate of the character imagine if this was real life and you were actually that person having to be like uh you know here's a thing that happened to this person and this person other person who cares about them very much uh now we'll never know about it or something like that it's yeah rough you know yeah i um the more i think about it the more i think it's unlikely like so some of the stuff for example that you're specifically asked to censor in this game like uh-huh. wouldn't need to be censored because it's like how could the Germans not know about it like oh sure like you know in the battle of the bulge you know the loca- the fact that you were you know one person died um, uh-huh. is is completely irrelevant information to sure. to yeah. German high command like this the name of this person who died you know they're not going to they're not going to care about that Sure. Although, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. It is reminding me of actually something that you and I did together when I was visiting you, which is that we went to uh-huh. uh, the the museum and we and we saw the 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 U-boat, the German U-boats. Oh only yeah, German U-boat ever captured by the U.S. Yeah, and there was one part of the tour where they 
they mentioned that um, the U.S. actually violated the Geneva Convention when they captured the boat and all the crew on board because as part of the Geneva Convention, you're supposed to um, inform the home country that you have their uh their you know soldiers prisoner right. artists, these would be sailors in this case but the u.s didn't because they knew if they uh they told germany that they had captured the boat then they would change all the codes that would have been on that boat and then yeah. basically the whole mission would have been forfeit because the whole point of trying to capture a u-boat was to was to get sensitive information yeah get the get the codes so that they could decode uh german codes and use it in the yeah. months to come to sort of like yeah didn't you know, it turn out that i feel like i remember him saying that the enigma box that they got didn't end up being used because they cracked it anyways or they oh had, sure yeah yeah i think the enigma box was gone but it was like but there was other stuff too yeah they had a, a ton of like uh encoded information that they could decode like uh, yeah plans of advancing forward but anyway so it it is uh a funny thing of like certain, a lot of times this information probably wasn't useful to anyone. Uh, but, uh, the fact that it had even the chance of being useful, um, is, uh, you know, was enough for them to, yeah. you know, yeah, that's put true. effort forth toward, uh, obscuring it, which I mean, knowledge is power. And you'd be surprised as a person who works in, um, in like, uh, programming, you know, we have cybersecurity attacks and it's, it's always fun dealing with like the security guys at my, at my company. Cause it's like, I'll just be like, Oh, so we got some weird requests to an API. That's, that's funny. Uh, anyway, I'm not really that worried about it cause we blocked them. And then some security guys like, well, I collated the data and it's all coming from these locations. And uh, here's the potential <laughs> things that we think we are running. You know, we're, we've got a crack team trying to consider why they would want this and what information they could get. I'm like, wow, I'm, it's good that you guys are doing this and not me because I would never have thought of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, they're like super secret CIA people. Sure. In your, yeah. in your, your place of employment. Sure. Yeah, they're going to start redacting your letters to your family. Rip me, I your guess. Your emails and your texts. Yeah. Will be I don't remember the last time I sent an email. <laughs> I never send emails. Yeah. I find, I just find redacted messages just such a funny, like, like, form. Uh -huh. um, there's, they're like so weird because sure. it's like, it's like, you know, there's something you're not supposed to know, but you can't see it. And sometimes when they declassify like government documents, you know, uh -huh. all but like 10 words have been redacted. And it's like, in what fucking sense has this been declassified? Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's also like, really it's funny. also like, I know why they do, they redact so much because it's like, if you're only redacting one or two words at a time, then it's pretty easy with context clues yeah, to kind of yeah. like reverse engineer uh, what something could mean. Uh, so obviously, you know, that aspect makes sense, but on the, on the flip side, it's like, ah, we've declassified this document. It's 10 words and they're just like spread throughout. I'm trying to think of what the most recent one was. That was like a big, uh, was it, I feel like it had something to do with one of the investigations into, uh, Trump's shenaniganery. Uh, Oh, was there a declassification with that? I don't know. I, I feel like sometime in the <laughs> I don't last, follow these things anymore. Sometimes in the last three or four months, I remember uh, seeing on Twitter people clowning on 
uh, declassified documents for just being like <laughs> four words in the middle of the page and then everything else is just blacked out. And it's like, ah, yes, very, very useful. Um, we've learned so much. Aha. We've, we've gleaned a great deal from this. Uh, I, I had another thing I wanted to ask you about. I'm, I'm trying to remember when you brought this up. I, mm. but I'm, I, but I don't at one point you were talking, uh, this is a long time ago. Probably we were talking about how, uh, early novels were just like, uh, written in the form of like letters back and forth between people before sort of oh, the, yeah, the yeah. form of the novel. novel. Yeah. yeah. So I that was is, kind of reminded definitely of that. The most, it's not like that was the only kind, but that was like overwhelmingly the most popular format mm. for, for like novels in the 18th century was epistolary. Okay. Yeah. And you were well, thinking I, of letters. Well, yeah, I was just, I was just thinking, uh, I thought you might have something, uh, more interesting to say since I was just, I just remember like, oh. ah, Jordan told me that you, <laughs> Jordan this used knows to be, about letters as a narrative form. Yeah. Jordan said this used to be a thing and it's a, I've recognized the pattern here. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing that I brought up, uh, last time was specifically that like, that like when a, when a medium is new, uh, uh. It, it's common, you know, before people have gotten, you know, used to the the conventions to try to use a, an already existing medium um, to tell the story. So, like, you know, sure, you know, it's a little if you're not used to, you know, the novel format, it might be a little weird. You know, some of the like standard first person or third person conventions might be like sure. a little strange. So it's like, this is a letter. Like that's why you're reading this. Uh, yeah. And then eventually you're, you, you know, you kind of get a feel for it and it's like, whatever, it could just be first person. I'm not going to ask any questions. Um, sure. And it's um, an evolution of the medium to where people just like sort of suspend disbelief and be like, all right, you don't need to tell me that like, you don't need to frame this as letters yeah. going between people. I'm comfortable with the fact of made up people and things happening to made up people. Yeah, and I think the point I was making, it was in one of the, it had something to do with a video game that was doing something like that parallel, mm -hmm. but with like like uh, the existence of digital. Um, it was like storytelling with some real digital thing. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but like another example of that is like a lot of really early film, um, you know, like literally the first decade of film was like uh, basically just filmed theater. Like, you know, oh, sure. like it had all the conventions of a drama, but you just stick mm -hmm. a camera in front of it. And then, you know, as people get used to it, they start experimenting more and more with, you know, moving the camera itself and that being the the primary thing. Sure. Um, sure. You know, when, uh, when, um, it's sort of weird to watch it now, but when the, uh, influential and incredibly racist birth of a nation came out, <laughs> there's a famous scene where, um, someone like clenches their hand or something like that. And you zoom in just on the hand. Uh, uh -huh. and you know, that's like a point of view you would never get in real life, like up close on someone's hand. Sure. Um, and like at the time people were like, Whoa, this is such a, a new way to tell stories with, uh, with film. Uh, Look but at these now, hands. now we're like just used to it. And like, you know, close up on a part of the body is not, you know, it doesn't, strike you as strange uh, when you're sure. watching a film. And now we're doing these weird sort of subtractive things. Like, did you ever see that movie searching? That, like, no, the I whole, didn't. The whole premise is that it takes place in a, in a MacBook, basically. So oh, it's like video I, chat. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't seen that one, but I saw a trailer for a horror movie 
that is it all takes place in a Skype conversation. Yeah, um, yeah. There's it's it's kind of a new trend. I know there was a, an episode of uh, I think it was Modern Family that took place all on someone's computer uh, as they oh, were like going about their day. But yeah, searching searching is actually a pretty good movie. It's uh, they I thought they did a quite a good job editing uh, for you know staring at a Mac screen for you know, yeah. an hour and a half. They I did mean, a pretty that's... good job of making it a compelling movie. And also there's some, some pretty big, um, uh, uh, you know, sus- suspension of disbelief of like, wow, we're, f- the news is filming live as we're following this character in this very yeah. dramatic moments re- <laughs> reuniting or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with found footage. And I mean, that, that's sort of a, you see that in epistolary novels too, which I feel like is kind of like the found novel, you know, oh, it's sure. Like, Absolutely. It's like the, the Blair Witch Project of novels where, yeah. where it's called writing up to the moment where, you know, like the. So yes. there's a famous example where like the intruder is breaking into the house. Yeah. And the, you're still the, writing. The, the protagonist is still writing her like memoir. Like, oh, my God, he's breaking in now. Whatever will I do? And sure. It's, it's like, stop writing, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And actually, to bring it back to the game, I thought uh, one of the reasons it, it it worked well. And I think one of the reasons, like you mentioned, that uh, they had a an emotional punch is because it, it, the game doesn't really give you answers. Right. Uh, and in yeah. fact it, it, it like you're obscuring the answers for the other people. And uh, something I realized is that like, not only is this person having to cope with the death of her brother, but I'm making coping with it harder because uh, you know, in my experience uh, the yeah. more, you understand about why a person is no longer here or the circumstances of their death. It, it sort of, yeah. there's a, there's a catharsis in just like knowing like, okay, my grandma was old and when she got sick, we knew what it was and we knew that it was likely going to yeah. be the end of her. So it wasn't like this, this big hole whereas uh, in, you know, other times when people die in you know, more dubious circumstances, it's just like, makes you wonder you know You're yeah like, and it's like it's like why did it have to happen like this could yeah. could something have been done to uh stop this or or could i have you know been a part of making it not uh you know happen yeah that and, sort and, of thing in retrospect now that you mentioned that that's actually like it, the game makes that explicit right because the vi- very final quote-unquote scene uh-huh. is your your protagonist character typing out their like final thoughts being like, who, who do I blame for killing my uncle? Was it, you know, the government for sending him over there? Was it the Nazis for starting the war? Was it the Mm -hmm. specific, you know, soldier who shot him? Was it, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that like feeling of not having finality is sort of like the, the, the theme of the, like all the censoring, like, you know, you you can't get a feeling of, of closure of the record because, you know, it's been, it's been censored. Yeah. And, and it's, it's as the player, we know more than any of the characters, including the true, sort of, that's the true. frame character. Cause I mean, there is, I don't think we've mentioned this, but interspersed throughout the letters are a few more letters of the, the sort of frame story of the person in the nineties writing letters to their other uncle being like, well, I wonder this or that about them. I, I can imagine uh, my dad and, uncle Sid like hanging out, having a beer and I would have liked to yeah. have meet him. And would we have been friends? Would he have liked me? And like asking all these, uh, questions. And, and, uh, so it's, it's definitely a way they sort of, uh, twist the knife, 
uh, of the story yeah. is having you as the player have to be withholding this information that you know has been withheld from people who are just you know curious and just i don't know something about uh human nature we don't like to uh not know that things or like be uncertain that things couldn't be better or or you sure know. yeah once we accept that something can't be changed we're pretty good at like coming to terms with it but sure. uh as long as you hold out the possibility that it, it could have been otherwise or even that you don't know why it had to be the way that it was it can like it, it enhance the feeling of frustration yeah. with it it reminds me of i used to say uh that like hope was the was the source of of all unhappiness was people hoping for things to be better edgy well exactly well i kind of uh like raised it as a sort of like goofy philosophical pseudo philosophical maybe talking point of like well you know hope is the root of all evil uh and i remember i had uh, a friend who was like got really upset with me and be like you don't really believe that right and i would kind of just fuck with them and be like i do (laughs) think about you'd never be sad like you'd never feel lonely if you knew that you would never be in love or something like fatalist yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and it's like obviously there would there wouldn't be any happiness without hope either right (laughs) uh anyway so it was um i don't know it's kind of well the real thing is you wouldn't the things that haven't been decided yet you wouldn't try for them right sure that's exactly yeah it's when the the ambiguity is justified because you know the the result hasn't happened yet and there is a chance uh-huh. of you changing it that hope sure, matters sure. yeah um uh so another thing i just wanted to talk about with this game is that i think it's cool that um we didn't mention this but the pictures are real so the pictures of oh, sure. uncle sydney are not from world war ii they're from the spanish civil war and they're from the real sydney george james um, when he was in the international volunteers. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that was a fun touch and it made it a little more feel more personal. Um, and like looking at them now, cause they're on, I'm on the, the, uh, itch page and he has the pictures there. Uh, mm-hmm. it's like kind of obvious that these are not World yeah, War a little II newer. cause they're, um, they're the, you know, the, inter- the international volunteers were not officially supported by, um, any of the countries they came from so mm. they were often like poorly armed and uh you know ragtag crew and in this sure. picture of uh uncle sydney we do in fact see that he's like you know he's just wearing like a normal shirt and all of mm. his comrades are just wearing like you know one guy's got a little literal leather vest on yeah in the in the in the game they're kind of uh framed <laughs> or they're like tilted and off to the side and sometimes like partially obscured so that kind of yeah. helps in uh you know um selling the fact that they were from world war ii and actually it reminds me of another thing that we haven't talked about which is that uh the sort of uh place setting and and scene setting they do to sort of make this feel like you know 1945 which is that it's on this sort of wooden desk and you can hear people chattering and yeah. uh typewriters like clacking a 1940s away 1940s radio show in the background yeah there's it's a like- and there's radio plays and radio ads uh, going on as you do this. And I, I I mean, I think they do a pretty solid job of, uh, of sort of making you feel like you're in this, you know, bustling uh, space. And like, I, I, one thing I I thought 
was like pretty specific that I liked is that there's always a typewriter uh, coming in out of like the yeah. left speaker. So it's like someone directly to your left typing away. Yeah. You've got an actual you... coworker. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's like, they're always there doing the same thing, even though the radio play uh, or what's on the radio is changing from day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, although one thing I will say is that the, uh, the loop of the background dialogue uh, is just a little bit too loud. And there's a very specific phrase that just kept jumping out of my ear, which is basically someone talking about the fact that they're not actually talking to anyone. <laughs> it's, it's just someone going, sometimes it is just a monologue and you, you just sort of talk to yourself, but you do it for the greater good or something like that. And it's like every, it, it's a short enough loop and that part, I don't know why it stood out so much. Maybe it's just a little bit louder, but I, uh, I must've heard that, you know, 50 <laughs> times throughout playing the game. Oh, just man, like my ear kept sticking to that. it. That's so funny. Uh, and probably once you heard it once and like made exactly. a conscious note of it in your mind. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, I kept getting distracted away from what I was reading. Cause I would just pick out, there's like, I, I don't know if there was just like one or two words in there that were particularly loud. And once you caught onto those, then you just are like in the mind frame of the sentence and just get sucked into it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, kind of funny, but mm. I do think uh, other than that uh, being a little bit obvious, I think they, uh, they do do a, a quite a good job of, of sort of uh, putting you, making you feel as if you're, you're um, embodying this, this character in this, in this. Time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I really liked, um, yeah, I felt like they did a good job of uh, setting the scene, um, and then I also just like the the use of letters for uh, interactive storytelling. I it sort of made me think that um, this is the low budget version of like her story or telling lies. Sure, if you, if you don't have money for actors uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and film equipment. Uh, transcripts of what they said yeah, transcripts of what they said uh mm. that you, you could still be searchable and still be explorable in almost exactly the same way yeah um, i mean in a certain way having like transcripts uh be searchable is almost more believable than video itself because yeah <laughs> text is a lot faster to search than anything else yeah uh, that's true yeah and it, it does make you and in fact when you're playing especially telling lies i felt this way sometimes when you search for something it's a little annoying that you don't also have a transcript because it's like, you know, in world, you know, that if it was possible for you to search it, it's because sure. a transcript exists. It's because it's transcripted and, <laughs> and I could just read this all and I could read it much faster than I could watch then it. I could Especially watch it, in yeah. telling lies when you only have one side of the conversation at a time. Yeah. <laughs> and you're scrub. I really just wish you, they gave you a little scrubbing handle instead of having to like yeah. do the swipe back and forth thing. <laughs> yes. But anyway, that is, that is yeah. not this game. That is another game. <laughs> Uh, did you have any other thoughts about any, any stray thoughts about who killed my uncle before we, uh, move on? Um, I mean, I guess the, I, I don't really have anything in particular to say about this, but just something I think about whenever the, the thirties or the forties come up is just like, man, what a weird time. Like, sure. I, I was just like looking at this picture of all the, oh yeah. At the end, he says a little bit about his uncle, that he was a, a minor and a union activist. Like he had, sure. And, uh, and like, that is a thing that, you know, in the thirties, there were a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, uh, overlap between like mm-hmm. union organizations, um, and political parties and, uh, and like activists. Um, and so like a lot of people who went, uh, to volunteer in the Spanish civil war were involved in, in those other things in one way or another. And it's just like, what a weird thought. Like it was a civil war 
that like was fought largely by people who were not Spanish. Uh, yeah. And both sides were armed by non-Spaniards, you know, the, sure. the Nazis armed the nationalists and the Soviet Union a little bit, not very much, but they helped arm the, 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 Re- the Republicans. Uh-huh. It's like just so weird. Sure. Yeah. The world, man. It's crazy. It is crazy. And it was even crazier before. Was it? <laughs> well, or was it just a different kind of crazy? crazy at least. And it feels more crazy because their normal and our normal are so different. That's true. We have uh, podcasts that are recorded thousands of miles apart. They'd probably find that pretty weird. Yeah. And especially that they're mostly about frivolous things. <laughs> <laughs> like video games. Interactive costs, digital art objects. It costs us nothing to make this. No. Well, I mean, Except it costs for my us a little time, bit. Which is not. Well, that's true. It's like. Some but it's recording extremely equipment. small it's, amount. It's yeah. pretty cheap. Yes. Uh, all righty. Well, shall we uh, tell the people about what game we're going to be playing next week? Uh, yes. Next week, we're playing a game called uh, Caged Bird Don't Fly. Actually, I think it has like a super long name, but yes. Caged Bird Don't Fly, Caught in a Wire, Sing Like a Good Canary, Come When Called. Uh, that is all in the URL on the itch page. So I guess that is the the full yeah. name of the game. Uh, it's by just a dog, um, on, uh, itch.io also known as Tyler Switonsky. Um, we don't really know what this game is, but it seems nope. like a sort of more, uh, evocative explorer space sort of game. It's got a very pastel, um, in some places, almost vaporwave aesthetic. Mm. Uh, so, you know, can't really tell you what it's about, but I will be able to tell you next week. Uh, if you want to find out what it's about with us uh, and you don't want to have to remember that very long title to Google it yourself, <laughs> uh, you should follow us on Twitter at EdgeGuardCast. Uh, we, uh, whenever we uh, release a new episode, we send out a link for the game for our, that we'll be playing the following week. So uh, make sure to follow us there if you want updates, uh, new episodes, or if you want to make a recommendation to us for a game we should play, uh, or if you just want to have a chat about video games. Uh, that's where we can, you can find us. So follow us at EdgeGuardCast, and we'll talk to you next week.